from another world. How did it get here? Where did it come from? What is it? That thing's alive, sir. I saw it. I shot at it. I hit it. I know it. Nothing happened. It just kept coming at me, making a noise like a cat mewing. Captain, it was awful. If you could have seen those hands and those eyes. Captain, you've got to do something about it. You've got Is it human or inhuman? Earthly or unearthly? Baffling questions. Astounding questions. Oh, but Jack just wants to have fun, Andrew. It's <laughs> work. All right. Uh, we're back on the wages of cinema. Hi! Hi! Hey, everybody. Um, today, so Jack, we got some list movies to talk about. These are movies that I have not seen, and Andrew has seen, and Andrew has seen, and uh, you, you get the idea. Right. So, let's Jack, go ahead you're going to go first. And, it's a good th- and this is the movie that inspired Jack to watch The Thing last week? Yes. Um, you heard me talk briefly at the end of the two-minute movie mile about John Carpenter's The Thing. And the reason I decided to watch that again was because I watched the 1951 Thing from Another World. Um, produced by Howard Hawks. Produced by Howard Hawks, and some might say ghost-directed by Howard Hawks. Probably. Yeah, this seems like, like from watching this movie... Like Steven Spielberg. Yeah, Poltergeist and Steven Spielberg, or the other one that I saw mentioned was uh, My Name is Nobody. You ever hear this movie? I think I've heard of it. It, it was seems like just one of those ty- no, the films I only know as a title. Well, no, but uh, Sergio Leone produced it, and it's assumed that he might have also directed it, but like over this guy's shoulder. Okay. The reason why people think Howard Hawks directed uh, the thing from another world is because this movie, first of all, feels, talks, acts like, and, and looks like a Howard Hawks movie. Right. Um. You know, and what you get with this movie is the story of uh, a group of military men and scientists who are at this uh, station by the North Pole, and lo and behold, they discover that there's some kind of presence underneath uh, the snow, and uh, they go out to investigate Something it. Something crash lands. Something crash lands, that's it, yeah. This is fresh. Yes, this is pretty fresh, and they discover it that something's off because the shape of... The, the crash landing, you know, it's they can sit and stand around in a circle. Yeah. And, you know, it makes a perfect circle. Uh, what they find underneath is a, uh, um, is a block of ice, and it's a man in an ice block. Um, yeah. And so, you know, and then, of course, that is the thing of the title. Um, what I get with this movie, here's... I, I enjoyed this more than I expected. I was going to. It's not like I, I didn't go in this movie with a bad attitude or anything, but I think that I, for a while, maybe kind of prejudged this movie in a no. wrong way. That I thought maybe this, I kind of lumped this in with. And it's weird that I lumped this in with groups of movies that I thought looked cheesy and didn't age well. Now, yeah, you have. I know what you're talking about because this comes from an area which is full. Of crappy black and white horror films. <laughs> oh, like, and not only that, but sci-fi like, movies. Right, this was during the like, craze of them. Right, things like Lost Continent or uh, Plan Nine from Outer Space. Well, that was a few years later. Yeah, but it's for the same era. I would argue. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of flying saucer movies that came out, uh, including Invaders from Mars. Right, was another one. Um, but the thing is different. The thing I think is more. What's interesting is when you hear directors, like certain genre directors talk, people like Toby Hooper or Ridley Scott, um, of course John Carpenter, George Romero, uh, they all cite The Thing from Another World as a very big influence on their films and their work. Yeah. um, 
And here's, and I can, in a way, watching this movie, I can kind of see why. Because what I liked a lot about this movie is that mostly it's about trying to see men, people working together and trying to solve problems logically. Yes. This is one of the biggest reasons why this I like this film. <laughs> and why you probably put it on the list. Yes. Right? Because here's the thing with a lot of crappy horror and science fiction films. Uh-huh. Which means, it's like... Vampires are attacking everybody. This is just an example. It's okay. not from the movie. Right. And it's always like... There's like one or two people who get what's going on. And then everyone's like, oh, you're crazy. Or like half the group is like, no, that's not what hap- what's happening at all. In the thing... Everyone gets it. Yeah, and pretty well. And, and even though it's a totally ludicrous situation, they're like, I believe my own two eyes, and my own two eyes saw freaking vampires. So every so they, they get away, they dispense with all the nonsense that bogs down lesser films right away, and everyone gets with the program. Yeah. and Except what, with perhaps one person. Well, well which we'll I'll get to. Yeah, and moment. I'll get to in a minute. Um, I like also that the speed of the dialogue is delivered in the same way that Hawks did it in his screwball movies. Yeah. There's a lot of, and this is a trade, this is kind of looked at as a trademark of a lot of his work, is the overlapping dialogue. You'll have a character talking, another character will be talking over him, and then it kind of builds to a certain the point. The sentences overlap a little bit. They're, they're very yeah, few yeah, It talks like that. Right. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's, a little it's, bit. It's, yeah, perfect. Like it's, that. it's what we can do. It saves time. Altman really, but he basically what people kind of identify in Altman movies, he took from Hawks. Yeah. Um, but what I th- what I like about it in this case, um, a I think the dialogue is really good. It is most, very good. for the I most part. To, I wanted to mention a, a, like a specific, a particular snippet in in one of my favorite scenes. Okay. There's a scene where they first see the thing. You know what I'm talking about, right? Twenty thousand steel that twenty thousand tons of steel that hit Earth. Yeah. Yeah, but or this something is something like else. Like the the thing has gotten free of its ice block. Okay. And they're hunting it, and they're like going into the greenhouse. Yeah. And the newspaper man. There's this newspaper man. Well, the character. newspaper man is one. Of, is he's the guy that you remember a lot because he's the guy who's constantly saying, "Oh, we gotta get this story to the world. Yeah. This is gonna be huge." He's basically the character we identify with. He's he's supposed to be the guy who. He's not, like, the big, like, hero. He's not the science guy. He's the one who's like, what about the Constitution? Yeah, he's, you know, he's sarcastic, and he's always cracking jokes at the military men, because yeah. you know, he's basically a civilian in that. And so he's trying to take a photo of the, thi- of the thing when they first see it. And this is, and in this scene, they're like, all right, we're going in there. Uh, is everybody ready? Good. And it's like, all right, everyone be careful. He opens up the door, and the thing is right there. Oh, yeah, they yeah. they slam the I door that, right yeah. on his arm, and... It's like, did you get your picture? It's like, no, you were in the way, and the door wasn't open long enough. Yes. Yeah, me? I remember And he's that. like, you want me to open again? It's like, no, no. <laughs> and it's just so great, because, like, the pacing of that scene has been very slow and very deliberate. Uh, you know, and everyone... Well, relatively. Right, and, I... and then, like, they open that door, and the whole thing just, like, speeds up. It's like, oh, God, he's right there. Slam. <laughs> yeah. Um, you yeah. know, the, the characters are interesting. Like, that's something I kind of like... Um, now let's talk about the, the scientists for a second. Now there are two kind of characters who kind of end up being at opposing points. One is yeah. the captain Hendry, and then the doctor is Carrington. Yeah, Doctor Carrington. Yeah, Doctor Carrington uh, is the one who actually, for a good lot of movies, he's like the, movie, the most sciency of ever. Well, he's the one who basically looks at this and says, "Oh my God, this is a really this is a big deal. This is the first time that." This is the first time life has come to Earth. He had a line which I I had to write down at one point. He said, uh, oh, there there are no enemies in science, Doctor, only phenomena. 
Yeah. And I, for a while, you're actually on his side until, and this is my one, this is my one beef with the movie story-wise. I feel like in the last, not even the last act, but like the last reel, he kind of becomes that character that we've seen in so many movies who's all like, no, we must pre- we must preserve him for science. Yeah. And he even like goes up to the thing to try to reason with it. Right, but then, but uh, I think what's what still makes this good is that Dr. Carrington, like, he has understandable goals. He doesn't want the military men to just like butcher this thing and turn and, you and under- just kill it. I he mean, wants, you understand his point. He of wants view. to study it. He wants to preserve it. He wants. He even like holds out some hope of of communicating. I was fine. I was fine with it up to a point. I feel like near the end, it got he he became very like one. He becomes too focused. And, yeah. Uh, but I think that's said ahead. He's clearly more eccentric than everybody else. And he, yeah. But still, the people around him really start doubting uh, his methods and what he, what he's trying to do. Yeah. Well, and, there's also a point where you know somebody just tells him, "Why don't you get some sleep? You've been up for so long." He's like, "No, there's still so much to do." There is no sleep in science. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um. You know, it's a. Uh, but every but that's the thing. It's like, it's not like the group splits in half and everybody's everyone's pro science and then everybody's anti science. Yeah. It's just like everyone gradually dis di- uh, drifts away from Carrington and goes towards uh, Hendry. Hendry. Well, because he's the one who's really because he's the, the one who's going to save their lives. Yeah, and he's also listening to you know the orders from uh, Washington, and stuff which are like that. which are which are always like which are always like. Uh, ten hours behind, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Well, that's not. Uh, well, I would say it's unusual, but I just read 2001: Space Odyssey, and that's there are so many delayed messages in that story. Yeah. Um. Now let's talk about the thing itself. Because okay. who plays the thing? James Arness. Yes. Who will also be in another movie that you will see. Uh, Interesting. He plays the thing, which we we only see so many times, and I'm glad about that because I think the. For me, the thing isn't very scary. Yeah, it's itself. not very scary, but he, he's a carrot monster. He is basically <laughs> like they actually spend stretches of this movie talking about how the thing is like a vegetable. It is basically a vegetable, and it there's a big picture of it on the cover of my VHS, which makes it look like a crappy monster <laughs> movie. But it's seen very little in the film. But here's why it's good: its presence is always felt in the film, yeah. even when it's not on screen. They're always aware that the thing is in the base, or it's around them, it's not going anywhere, it's going to be next to them this whole time. Hmm. And they're making their plans around it. And there's another great scene where the thing bursts into the room where they are. Uh, this comes after, not long after the, uh, the greenhouse scene. And they turn off the lights, and they're getting ready to douse it with kerosene, and that's the, the one big moment where, like, where it's another moment where we see it closely, but it's still the lights are off and it's dark. Yeah. So we we don't really see it. Mm-hmm. We just basically see it's a big man shaped thing. Yeah. I think that the because it really doesn't look scary. No, it's <laughs> not. And he's basically like a giant Frankenstein monster who's kind of stomping around and uh, and then when the, the the thing meets its end, spoiler, and it's kind of done in a way that. You know, isn't the most original, but I guess it's kind of cool looking. Uh, but it's there is believable. one there is one really awesome moment, which is okay. when they try to destroy the thing by setting it on fire. Yes, that's that the was the I'm one moment about. where I was actually on. I was actually feeling a little bit tense. Not even because like I was feeling more tense for the characters in the room 
Because yeah. what if, like, the fire spreads to them? Yeah. And, you know, and how quickly it escalates, I think, was pretty impressive. The and fact that all of a sudden he's on fire and he has to run out of the building. And here's the thing about that scene. The like, thing about the thing. It's not... It, when they, they must have filmed that scene and, like... Like, they spray a man with something, and they set him on fire. And it's in a very physically small room with it, five other people a there. Piece of, a piece of trivia, this was the very first time a man got set on fire like that for a movie. Really? Uh-huh. Wow. And I think so. And, and I always notice that in backgrounds of, like, war movies when men just, like, randomly catch fire and run through the background. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, oh, yeah, that must be in, like, a violence issue where people weren't, or maybe it was a technology thing. Technology or violence? Do you, what do you think? Um, probably a little bit of both. Um, I guess they, you know, I, mean, I guess you had to, they had to be prepared for, you know, the safeguards for setting somebody on fire to make sure that person didn't die. Right, and in that scene, I don't know how anybody wasn't injured, because it's in a yeah. very small space, and they douse this guy with something to make him blaze up. I and think that's, the, probably my fa- of, that's probably my favorite scene of the movie. Right, and, and he, he runs into people... Uh, in that scene, some of them are covering themselves with mattresses, and like other things in the room catch fire. Mm. They must have really put some planning into that because I just just to think about how they shot that scene is is impressive. Yeah, um, but but like I said earlier, I feel like the the strength for the movie for me is really that it's about strategy. It's yeah. about m- people trying to come together, and they're talking about things. And sometimes, like you've said with these crappy horror movies. Again, the dialogue isn't very interesting, but here, even though everything is plot-driven, there are also little moments where I felt like they were trying to make things not completely dead serious all the time. Yeah, because there are I think lots of one, great funny lines. At one point, I think the the it's during a tense moment, and uh, Nikki, the, the girl, comes in and asks, does anybody want coffee? And she pours them coffee, and, you know... That happens. Do you have um, a favorite? Do you have like a, a funny line that you remember from it, or that you wrote down? Um, Here's one. Uh, that oh, I, I wrote. I wrote down one. Uh, the Russians are all over the pole like flies. Is it? I guess so. Uh, <laughs> you. We already talked about the other line. I thought was kind of funny. About. Oh, okay. Here's one that I had that was towards, towards the end. They're waiting for the thing to come towards them, and it's like, what if it can read our minds? And the one who says, it'll be real mad when it gets to me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it's uh, really well written. And here's what I think is really important. It's a good movie in an era full of crappy movies of a similar type. And I feel like having seen so much Mystery Science Theater and so many crappy movies, that this was the film that spawned 20,000 imitations. Yeah, it, like I feel like that's the one thing you could say about watching it. It um, Just like with Day of the Earth Stood Still. I mean, we talked about that. Uh, some podcasts ago, uh, that that movie. I feel like the thing probably spawned more movies like yes. it because again, because it's a much more conventional it's, film. It's people are trapped in a place. There's a monster outside. If, if not for this movie, we wouldn't have Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, that's it's arguable about and I that. Think, and I think about like tons of crappy movies that spawned like Night of the Blood Beast. Oh, <laughs> and again, Steve? and and a lot of these movies, they they don't get the fact that. Somebody like Hendry is an interesting character. Uh, up until he kind of goes off into the deep end, Carrington's an interesting character. Yes. The news reporter, he's somebody who at one point I wrote down, is the news reporter a jerk? 
<laughs> and I wasn't sure if he was or not. I don't think so. I think he's just sarcastic, and but he's still funny. He, I mean, I think he could. He gets to the on the verge of that, but I feel like he works well with the group. Yeah, um, he's you know, he's on board just like everybody. Yeah, else. and it's interesting that I think even Howard Hawks kind of ripped himself off a few years later with Rio Bravo, which was another movie about men basically trapped in a situation. And yeah, so that's time. Uh, yeah, that that was uh, the thing. And the thing about the thing. And Don't the, let its looks fool you. It's a much better film than look. It, if you go into it, it has any right to be. If you go into it looking at it, it's basically a Howard. It's a Howard Hawks movie that happens to be about a guy in a carrot suit. <laughs> Which I, I can't get over that. He he just looks terrible. <laughs> All right. Um, no, like to no movie. fault of James Arness. Yeah. Um. Okay. Um. So we have a very different movie to talk about because uh, that's what we pride ourselves here about here on Wages of Cinema. Non sequiturs. Yes, non sequiturs. I mean, we. But I feel like we are. I guess we do have kind of an auteur driven uh, list episode today, you could say. Kind of like last If you're time. really reaching for one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, by the way, one other small thing I know. Did you notice the uh, the in-joke for Sergeant York? I hear. I thought they mentioned Sergeant York. In the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, somebody's like, oh, you're like uh, that guy in that movie, Sergeant York. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, but now we're going to be talking about a very different movie um, in by the director Terrence Malick. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, called... Probably the shortest Malick movie ever made. This and Days of Heaven, I think, are both around 90 minutes. Yeah. Badlands! Badlands. Whoa, 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 Badlands! Directed by Terrence Malick, of course. Yes. Uh, Badlands is a story of two, uh, two people, Kit and Holly. Uh, they fall in love and go on a killing spree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, Kit is played by Martin Sheen. Very young Martin Sheen. Very young Martin Sheen. And, and Holly and, is sissy spacing. And she's even younger. I think uh, she was maybe barely 20 when she made this. Mm. I mean, she looks... Well, she certainly looks... I like mean, well, she's supposed to be playing somebody who's 15 years old. And she pulls it off. I mean... I think I think maybe when Sissy Spacek was thirty, she still looks like a teenager. Yeah. No um, offense, just saying. Yeah. So I'm I'm guessing you got introduced to this sort of through uh, Welcome to the Basement. Yeah, basically. Uh, but there was a lot of stuff that I didn't know about it. Yeah, I mean, well, this movie. The one thing that um, I didn't know about it. it well, did you really know it was based on a true story? Yeah. I've, it was based on the Charles uh, Starkweather spree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He went around uh, with his girl, and they killed about eleven people. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, of all things, I heard, first heard of that case in the movie The Frighteners. Oh. You ever seen The Frighteners? The Peter Jackson movie from the no. 90s? And that involves, like, a ghost killer or something. Wait, he kills ghosts? Or no, ghost it's a guy a who looks like he's a ghost dressed up like the Grim Reaper, and he's killing people. Oh. Um, but anyway, so this movie... Um, so what you get with this movie, in a way, kind of like how the thing... You know, subverts your expectations involving you know a very worn movie. With Badlands, it's a lovers on the run story. Yes, uh, but it takes and its a serial time. killer movie, but it takes its time. Yes, and but not in a bad way because Terrence Malick did uh, what was it with the New World? I think which is a three-hour-long movie. And he <laughs> Close did the Tree to it. of Life. Yeah, uh, and a lot of things. And the, that, th- the Thin Red Line. Yeah. Uh, basically, clear your calendar for the <laughs> if you want to see if you want to have a Terrence Malick. Well, it's not just it's it's watching the movie and then it's like you have to go into a into a meditation like mode. Right. Because, <laughs> uh, but we should say that this was his first film. 
Yeah, and um, it's a really good film. Yeah, but the thing about this film is that he made it, I think, before... I mean, he, he, he made this... You know, as his calling card. He made this as the thing like, okay, I can make movies. Because he had actually written movies. Of all things, he has a uncredited write, writing gig on one of the Dirty Harry movies. Oh, really? Which is kind of crazy. Um, but what, what I like so much about this movie, I mean, we should say, like with other Terrence Malick movies, it has narration. It's narrated by Sissy Spacek. Right. And the way that she narrates the movie, I find really intriguing because it's. There's a dreamlike quality to it. The way that she describes things, she is talking as if, you know, as you know, she's there, but it happened a long time ago. Um, right. You know, she's you know, she might almost sound a little bit dippy at times. The way that she describes how she loses her virginity is one of those moments where it's like, oh, that happened. Okay. Yeah. Like she doesn't say like we had sex. Is like she describes it in a more oblique way and almost describes it in a way where yeah you know he said it would hurt but it was all right yeah. i bet when a lot of people have their first sexual experience it's like oh that was it yeah um now here's the thing about sissy Spacek's narration mm-hmm. uh she narrates the events who gives gives a lot a lot of background to the film otherwise we would have very little to go on yeah. she fleshes out a lot of stuff and uh, gives us something to think about as these images uh, of you know nature and of, and of the badlands mm-hmm. uh, go through our uh, you know we just see them. Uh, I get the feeling though that not necessarily everything that she talks about happens. Yeah, what happens on screen kind of happens. I feel like, but I feel like a lot of the elaboration. Yeah, and a lot of the uh, stuff that she's tech- that she's technically not around for doesn't actually happen when because I'm... basically Sissy Spacek's character uh, Holly, yeah, she is, for lack of a better word, crazy. Yeah, she's she uh, her, she's she's attracted boy... to this guy who's a killer. Yeah, she's but she's but she's built him up in her mind as this just great guy. Right, kids, this murderer. He kills people. Uh, not in, like, a rabid sort of Joker way. No, he's almost more, like... And he tries to give, like, justifications for what he's doing. Right. Like, but he's not foaming at the mouth. He's not sinisterly laughing. He's not, like, uh, talking fast like uh, like we see people normally in films. Like, he talks... He's, he's very easygoing. Yeah. He's very calm. He rarely loses his temper. But he shoots people for reasons that are his own. Yeah. Uh, now, he is cra- he is sociopathic. Do you, think, do you think she is, too? I think she is. Okay. And the reason I think she is is because people who this is, people who are uh, mentally deranged tend not to remember things the way they were. Yeah. So right. they, And they make elaborations which seem far-fetched, mm-hmm. but they believe are true. Yeah. Because they have difficulty telling what, what is their fancy and what is what actually happens. Yeah, well, when you hear her narration, she describes, like, this mad, this great magical treehouse. Yeah. And you kind of see it, and it... She talks about it in very idyllic terms. They yeah, live. and you see it, and it's like, okay, that's a treehouse they made, I guess, but... No, I mean, that can certainly feel great if it's like where you're living with your boyfriend but uh the way she describes it uh you know saying oh when we when we planned to dig tunnels and we had a new password every day and it feels very much like a children's fantasy you know and and it makes you feel like no this this couldn't have been that way for real you know what some of this movie had in a way was uh 
I remember when I, I showed this movie to Corey a couple years ago, and when she left it, and we both, she brought up something that this is like a much deeper, almost deconstruction years before it happened of something like Twilight. Huh. Where you have, like, you know, the, the relationship between Edward and Bella, where Bella is, like, she meets this guy who you know, she falls for. And you wonder, what what does she see in this guy? He's such, like, a jerk, and, you know, he's a killer because he's a vampire. Yeah. But, you know, through her point of view, it's kind of jaundiced, and she doesn't see anything wrong with this guy, even though... She doesn't see clearly because she's young and she's yeah. in love. But whereas, you know, Twilight is written really poorly. Yeah. This movie, I think, the filmmaker really... There's almost a kind of satirical point of view on these characters, but yet, at the same time, the filmmaking is presented in a way that's very beautiful, yeah. and it's very, like... You know, there's there's a lot of elements of it. Not When I it's say not, dreamlike... And it's not even that, like they're exploiting the violence, or... The, no, I or, mean you or, see people get shot. Insanity, but the violence violence happens, but it's basically but it's against these backdrops of these stark landscapes uh, of Montana and South Dakota, mm-hmm. and uh, these sort and these uh, these little homesteads that are just little dirt farms. Yeah, because at one like at one point Martin Sheen he visits uh, one of his old trash collector friends. Because oh, that's what let's he did talk before a little bit about this. the friend. Uh, yeah, because he goes the to first the first time we see Martin Sheen, he sees a dead bo- dog by the side of the road and says, "I'll give you a dollar to eat this collie." <laughs> and, the, and the friend <laughs> walks over, considers it for a minute, <laughs> and says, "I ain't gonna do it for a dollar." <laughs> I have standards. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what, what do I look like? Yeah. Go, go that other trash guy down the block. <laughs> go to Steve. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then when he sees him again. Uh, there's, you know, now there's probably there's a little bit more tension because at this point Martin Sheen has killed several people. He's carrying the rifle in his hands. As, yeah, there's as, that too. As they meet. Yeah. But I mean, but soon after that they have a picnic. Yeah, it's not completely. You don't really feel like there's a threat to his life right away. Yeah, and and when the shooting does happen, uh, you do get a sense of why he did it, but he did, but he's not able to explain it. Uh, again, his reasons are basically his own. Mm-hmm. Like, Martin Sheen has, like, his character, Kit, has this strange logic through a lot of the movie. Like, there's that moment where he records the message on, like, the uh, the record yeah. before they head out. Um, I, I think his logic is strange because he doesn't really understand what it takes to really do things successfully. He has almost a childish look on yeah, things. Yeah, well, that's they're both a little bit childlike. They yeah, both are like, the, let's though, go like, live in our treehouse. Even though Martin Sheen is supposed to be like... his, Even though Kit is supposed to be ten years older than Holly, they, uh, they, they don't view things like adults do. No. Yeah, it's... Uh, and that, it adds a certain... I'm not going to say innocence, but it adds a different air than... You know what you get in like Natural Born Killers or yeah. something like that. You know, it's not a it's not a hardcore movie. Like this is no, this is a movie or about natu- this is a, a movie film like Natural Born Killers is all about the violence. No, yeah. this this is like this is a movie about killers that you can show in a poetry class. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. If that's a way to put it. Um, uh, also, I mean, there are some very funny moments I find just because of how bizarre it is. That scene where he's uh, talking into the phone, and he's like. Remember to respect your parents. You we know, got a line on something. <laughs> yeah. Don't treat them like animals. <laughs> yeah. 
I just think that was hilarious. I think or there like, are a lot of after, funny moments. Or after he gets caught, he's talking to all the sheriff's deputies, and he's like, oh, who, oh, I got this. I've had this lighter for ten years. Who wants it? Tosses it to him. <laughs> and the journalist asks him a question, and he answers it, and he's like, who wants a comb? <laughs> Tosses it into the crowd. Yeah, he's, he's very... Uh, in a way, that connects, too, with his childlike manner, where people are... They're not all like... They're not talking... They're not, you know, being very looking down on him, the way they're kind of interacting with him, they're interacting with him when they're in, like, the, the car, yeah. driving away. They um, like Kit. They do, he's, he's a likable guy. Like I remember there was a joke in the Welcome to the Basement review, it's like, he <laughs> says, well, thanks anyway for all the help, and he's like, eh, no problem, and he's like, we're gonna name our new precinct after you. <laughs> <laughs> but Kit is very likable. We like Kit. We do. He, I, I, I liked Kit. I it's mean, funny he's, that they—he's he's kind of a dummy and uh, he murders people, but he was never really a horrible person. No, it's funny Wait that they minute. they compare I mean, him. I've said that right. I go you. They <laughs> you know com- what I mean. They compare him to James Dean, and I kind of found him more likable than James Dean and James Dean movies. Well, James Dean is a little overblown, but uh, that's true. Let's talk about some of the imagery. Uh, what were there any images that really stood out for you? Like, uh, I mean, one thing that, uh, there are a lot of shots of insects in the movie. Right. I think there there are a lot of shots that I think are meant maybe by Malick to, and, and this happens in a lot of his movies, to show human beings in the context of, and it almost sounds overblown, but the rest of the universe. The fact that these yeah. are two people who are operating in the way that they're, in the, and how they're doing it, and they're killing people and they're on the run, but they're just two people in this world. Right. I don't I mean, know. Does that, does that sound a little pretentious? No, I think you're. you're I think you're on to something because Holly, in her narration, builds up their crime spree to be this big thing where the National Guard is called out and people start forming posses and how, how they become famous criminals. When we don't see any of that, and and no. and Kit himself, uh, it you know, he pours on the charm and he's glad to be arrested because he's just talking to people and he's he, he's appreciating being famous. And I think that's, in a way, both their attempts to assert themselves in the world, to make themselves seem significant, when, when you compare them to the landscapes of the Badlands, yeah. and to all the, and, you know, these grassy plains and, and the entire universe. And, like, and I think the big shot is where Martin Sheen is walking towards the camera, uh, yeah. with that rifle over his shoulder. Or, or it's a joke that they make on the Welcome to the Base episodes as he contemplates over the twin suns uh, yeah. in the skies. Uncle Owen won't let him join the rest yeah, of the yeah, that's But that's a great shot because he's in the middle of this giant landscape and even in the sky there's the moon. Yeah. Which implies great distance, great other worlds. So really, no matter how famous they think they are, or how much of an impact they had, they're an insignificant part of this world. Yeah. Which is tiny. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, the fact of, what's your significance in this world? The fact that, yeah, as a kid, you kind of look at yourself as the center of the world. You know, like, you know, whether or not mommy and daddy build you up, and, you know, in this case, mommy and daddy aren't really in the story much. Right. Um, But, uh... Yeah, and it's like I said, it's interesting that she builds up their their crime spree, even though, in a way, she like she does and she doesn't build up their relationship. Because again, like you know, when you think about it, he probably he took her virginity and she's fifteen, um, and it's not that big a deal. But the fact that she's with him is what's going to be the biggest thing that's ever going to happen to her in her life. Yeah, basically. Um, favorite scene? Hmm. 
I think the thing that always comes to mind is basically after he shoots his friend, his friend gets shot in the abdomen, but he's still kind of walking around and he's not even, yeah. and he's not even like oh oh, uh, uh, and he just kind of just sits there and mm. everybody just walks around and talks. I think th- there are two moments I, I like where they actually use like specific songs. There's Love the, is strange. Yeah, where they're dancing by their treehouse, and, and then there's n- at the end there's the Nat King Cole song, "The oh, Dream yeah. Is Over," mm-hmm. when their crime spree is coming to an end. Yeah, the music, by the way, I also really liked. I didn't know anything about the music. Time. Um, time. No, my my phone wasn't stopping. Time. Time. Um. Oh, uh, I just wanted to say my probably my favorite scene is that one moment after that when, uh, like the the other people come to the house. And, you know, Kit puts them down into, like, the cellar. Yeah. And, like, there's a little awkward moment between them where, like, the guy's like, you know, we're not uh, we're not going to give you any trouble. And Kit's like, you expect me to believe that? Yeah. And it's like this, it's it's not like, it, it's actually, it feels very realistic in a way. It feels like maybe this is how they would actually talk in this moment. Maybe. You know, it feels kind of effective. All right, we come so over we the go. line. We have two movies. Two movies. We have one. two movies that we just talked about. One, a uh, <laughs> sorry, you just had like one, a, 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 a reflection of man's insignificance in the universe. The other, man's fight against the universe for uh, interesting way to put it for uh, for existence. Yeah, good so way. Check to... them both out. Yes, it's man and nature, and all the wacky things that happen. When people get set on fire or they get shot, and actually there are two big. There's another fire sequence in Badlands. Well, yeah. When they burn down the house, that that's that's a really great scene. That's like saying that both movies had air. (laughs) Both movies had people. (laughs) All right. When we come back, uh, we're gonna have our main discussion, and I think you may enjoy it. So listen, (laughs) listen to the music. Way to sell it, Jack. All right. Hey! 